Let's pray over the word and let's dig in. We'll give some background. Heavenly Father, we pray as we go to your word right now that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We don't want the words of man that are a waste of time, but we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak. Give us ears to hear what you would say to each and every one of us. May man decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. All right, let me give you a little context. When you take a text out of context, all you left is a con. Amen. And so we want to give you some context. So Hebrews, as we know, was written by a Jew to the Jews to tell them to quit being Jews. Can I get an amen to that? And there was a, they were being pulled back into the, into the sacrificial system. Praise God for the old covenant. God used it mightily. It was all pointing to Jesus. But when Jesus came, he said, it is finished and it is paid in full. We're not dragging lambs in, in here on Sunday mornings, amen, to sacrifice. Blood of bulls and goats cannot save us. So the whole focus of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is better. It's all about the supremacy of Christ. We've talked about Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than the high priest of the old covenant. And so as we come to chapter nine, we're going to look uh, to some, with some depth at the sanctuary itself, because the old covenant sanctuary was used mightily by God, and it was given to Moses on how to build the sanctuary based on the example of what's in heaven. But it's an earthly picture of what is in heaven. And so we don't run back to, to religion when we already have a relationship. Can I get an amen to that? And so for many of us, you're not being tempted to go back to Judaism necessarily, but maybe you grew up in a church that's very religious, that has a lot of rules that you tried to keep to make yourself acceptable before God. And they, they said, if you were not honoring to the Lord in all these different ways, if you were not keeping all these rites and rituals, that you were separated from God. And they put, put up walls between us and the Lord. And any church that does that, you need to run from like it's on fire. Can I get an amen? Because Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Amen? Jesus alone, in Christ alone, do we find salvation. So in the first century, the Jews who had gotten saved Many of them were facing outward persecution and then also an inward temptation from their families to go back to the temple. When this was written, the temple was still there. Now it's going to come down in AD 70, but it's still there. So they're still hearing the shofar being blown. They're still seeing the crowd of fa family members headed off to the temple as they go to meet in a house somewhere. And so there's a temptation to go back to what they grew up with. And again, that was ultimately God's plan until Jesus came. But once Jesus came, the veil was torn. Amen. And we can enter into the presence of God anywhere and anytime. So grab your outline. Let's go over it. And then we'll dig into the text. Oddly enough, I titled the message, Sewing Up the Veil. Sewing up the veil. See, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was formed from top to bottom, and we can all enter into his presence anywhere and any time. In the old covenant, only one man on one day could enter into the Holy of Holies. Only on the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, could one man on one day enter into the Holy of Holies. And I truly believe when he entered in, he was scared to death. Because if he was not worthy when he entered in, he would drop dead. So he had to make a sacrifice for himself and then for the people. Praise God, it's not one man on one day, but it's all men and women who have given their life to Jesus Christ every minute of every day that can enter into God's presence. Can I get a praise God for that? Amen. And so praise God, we're no longer under the old covenant where we all sit outside when one man goes in and we wonder what's happening in there. And for one day, and then the rest of the year, we're, we're keeping the sacrificial system to have a right standing before God in hopes that one day we can be redeemed. Again, because the blood of bulls and goats doesn't save us, but it points to the one that did. Amen? The one that does. So I taught the message, showing up the veil. And first, we're going to look at the first 10 verses, contrasting old covenant religion with new covenant relationship, and five reasons that the the old covenant was inferior. The old covenant sanctuary. We'll talk about that. First of all, it was a material earthly sanctuary. Even as the glory of God dwelt there, it was still an earthly sanctuary. And it was limited to a certain place and a certain time to a certain number of people. And so yeah, if you wanted to come to the, the tabernacle as they were wandering in the wilderness, you had to be, that was one tabernacle. And then later on in the new, you know, as they got further on, there was only one temple. 
And so you had to, people would come from great distances to, to worship there, and they should, and praise God that they did. But praise God, we don't all crawl on our knees to, on glass to Mecca. Can I get an amen to that? Praise God, there isn't one place that we can worship. Praise God that when Jesus came, again, that veil was torn, and we can enter his presence anywhere and any time. The sanctuary was also a type of something greater. While made in the likeness of the heavenly sanctuary, it's a clear picture of Jesus. We'll talk about that this morning. You can't, by the way, it couldn't save anyone by itself. Going to the sanctuary didn't save you any more than going to church saves you. You can go to church all you want. You can be drugged by, by your parents to church. Pastor Chuck said he had a drug problem going up. His mom drug him to church and drug him to Bible study and drug him to everything. And the reality is, though, that it's good that you come and it's, we should be in fellowship. But when we stand before God on Judgment Day, we're not going to hand him our church attendance record. Amen? We won't even hand him our baptismal certificate or a get out of hell free card because we walked an aisle and prayed a prayer when we were seven. Can I get an amen to that? It goes beyond just a religious moment to a relationship for a lifetime. And so it's, it's a type of, it was inaccessible to the people. So here we, we talked about this. So here's the sanctuary. Here's the Holy of Holies and the people could not enter in. They couldn't even enter into the holy place. They could only enter, enter into the outer court. So they never got close to where the presence of God was. And so it was inaccessible to the people. Again, only one man once a year could enter into his presence. Number four, it was temporary. It was saved only as a picture and a placeholder until God's work of salvation was finished. And then finally, administered only to address man's outward need. When God gave them the command through Moses to make the sacrifices... They were being obedient and they were being faithful when they did it and praise God for it. And it was God's ultimate plan, but it was never the final answer. It was always pointing to the one who was coming. It was always pointing to Jesus Christ. You hear people say, I was talking to a Muslim this week. He's like, we love the Bible. And I said, where's Muhammad in the Bible? Where is he? Oh, well, there's pictures. Of, no, there aren't. Everything in the Bible, every chapter in the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen to that? This is a book about Jesus and nobody else. Amen? It's not about Muhammad. It's not about any other false prophets. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of it all. And we'll see that as we go through the text. Uh, by the way, if you, some of you got it on the back. We'll go over it, but it's got a picture on the back of your outline of the sanctuary itself. Some of them didn't get printed right. Sorry about that. Um, but we'll talk about that in detail and how all of that points to Jesus. So let's begin there in Hebrews chapter 9, beginning there in verse 1. And it says, Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. Then indeed, it's in Greek, it's accordingly then, continuing with the thought of the previous chapter. Let's read verses 12 and 13 of chapter 8. It says, For I will be merciful... To their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. In that, then that he says, a new covenant he has made the first, the new covenant has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So the old covenant was made obsolete when Jesus died on the cross. Now, we still have... Passover seders and things like that from time to time. And all of those things point to Jesus, and I think they're wonderful to, to participate in. But guys, those things don't save us. Amen? And those are not the sources of, of having a right standing before God like they may have been in the old covenant. It says in Hebrews 8, 5, Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, see that you make you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. So the tabernacle was constructed by men according to God's divine plan in a pattern after the heavenly, again, sanctuary. So the new covenant made the old covenant obsolete. And then it says, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and an earthly sanctuary. The old covenant had been God's divine plan for communicating the need of sacrifice and to restore simple man to fellowship with God. When I think of the old covenant, here's what I think of. It's like having a boat. You're out in the sea in a boat that's constantly leaking. And every day you're patching up the boat. Every day, three times a day, patching up the boat. And if you stop patching up the boat, the thing's going to sink. 
And in the Old Covenant, it was constantly coming with the blood sacrifices. It was constantly a reminder that we all need to be saved. It was constantly showing us the, the, the blood price that was required to bring salvation. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness for sin. When was the first time we saw the shedding of blood in the Bible? Who remembers? Where was it? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, after they sinned in the garden and they covered themselves with leaves, what did the Lord do? He slayed animals and he covered them with the skins of animals. Again, the first time we see the shedding of blood is for the covering of sin. Amen. So without the shedding of blood, there can be no covering for sin. There's no forgiveness for sin. And what, you know, when you were, if you were here, when we're teaching through Leviticus, the bloodiest book in the Bible. We're on the radio teaching Leviticus right now. And we see all that blood. And it was a constant reminder that our sin can only be forgiven at a heavy price. Amen. It's a heavy price. Now, salvation is a free gift, but it costs our Savior everything. Amen. It's free for us, but it came at a heavy price. And so all the shedding of blood of bulls and goats was always a constant reminder. Daily sacrifices, weekly sacrifices, monthly all these sacrifices that took place, all the feasts that they participated in, all of it was pointing to the Lord. For thousands of years, from the time of Moses to the time of Jesus, the Jewish people, again, were constantly doing this as an act of obedience to the Lord. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that through those sacrifices of bulls and goats that they would be saved. How was Ab Abraham was saved by what? By what? Faith. By faith. So it's faith. It was faith in the one who was coming that saves us. When Jesus died on the cross, if you remember, he said he set the captives free. He went into paradise where all the Old Testament saints were who could not enter into the presence of the Father until Jesus died on the cross and ushered them in to heaven. Amen. This is where some people get the concept of purgatory, which is not in the Bible. Amen. And Jesus did not go into hell and have to be born again like some false prophets would teach on TV. Can I get an amen to that? He said, it is finished. It was paid in full on the cross. The old covenant is obsolete. We can still learn from it. I love the Old Testament. Come on Thursday nights. Jesus is in every chapter and praise God for it. So the Gen Jewish people had generously given gifts for the building of the tabernacle. And then later the temple. It was a place of sacrifice. It was a place of worship. You know what else? It was a place where God's glory dwelt. If you remember when they were wandering in the wilderness, when they would wake up every morning, what was the first thing they did? They looked up to see if the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud had moved. Because when God would move, they would, they would pack up the tabernacle and everybody else, and they would go to wherever God's presence was. Well, that's a great lesson for us. We ought to wake up every morning looking up. Can I get an amen to that? First thing we ought to do is seek the Lord and have him guide and direct our lives. And so the God's glory dwelt there. And people wanted to be near it because that's where the presence of God was. Now, the earthly sanctuary, it literally means a holy place. The word sanctuary means a holy place. Again, constructed in obedience to the clear commands of God. The word earthly speaks of the fact that it belonged to the earth rather than to heaven, that it was made with human hands, and that it was temporary. The key word there in verse 1 is the word had. It said the first covenant had ordinances of divine service. Again, a reference to the fact that the old covenant had been made obsolete. Now, most of you know, if you haven't been attending here long, or if you've been attending, we used to meet in a, in a uh, synagogue. When we were in, when we were in uh, Calabasas, and I would meet with the rabbi all the time. And even before we moved our church there from the community center, I had a long talk with a room full of rabbis and chaplains and told them very clearly what we believe about the Bible. And I figured I'd rather have them blow us out before we get there than have them, you know, two Sundays in say, you people got to leave. <laughs> And so I told him straight up, look, here's the reality. First, I told him, I'm more pro-Israel than you are. Amen. <laughs> okay. And they, and they were like, and I said, I don't believe, and I don't believe in, in, uh, you know, uh, the fact in replacement theology. And they said, what's that? That the church replaced Israel. I said, God's not done with Israel. God's not done with the Jewish people. I'm pro-Israel because God's pro-Israel. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Now, that being said, I said, you guys all are spiritually blind because you missed the Messiah, but praise God, it's not too late and you can still get saved. <laughs> Me and 15 rabbis. And then I said, guys, here's the good news. Jesus is the Messiah. And here's the other good news. 
there's going to be a great revival amongst the Jewish people after the church is raptured. And I said, so if we don't show up on a Sunday, good time for you to get right with Jesus. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and then I asked him, can you, I said, I will show you Jesus. Point me to any chapter in the Old Testament or any event in the Old Testament, and I will show you Jesus. And praise God for the rabbi in the front. You think I gave him a hundred bucks because here's what he said. How about the Passover? Oh, yes, Lord. I said, you mean the blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross and the angel of death passed over? You mean that Passover? You mean the Passover Seder that has the afikoman with three pieces of bread striped and pierced? You pull out the centerpiece, you break it, you wrap it in linen, you hide it. When the children find it, you rejoice. You mean God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus was buried. And when he rose from the dead, we all rejoice. You mean that Passover? Is that the Passover we're talking about? So guys, the old covenant was a picture of Jesus always, but has been made obsolete because Jesus paid it in full. Amen? Amen. Now we can still learn from the old covenant. And the Bible says he didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And the law of Moses is still a wonderful standard for Christians to follow, but the law can't save you, only Jesus can. The law shows you you're a sinner in need of a savior, and that's why Jesus came. The law is a taskmaster, a schoolmaster that leads us to the cross, the Bible says. It's like a mirror. You put it up against your life and you see that you've fallen short. Until we recognize we're sinners, we'll never see our need for a savior. Amen? So praise God for the old covenant. Praise God for the law. Praise God how God has used it mightily. But Jesus was the fulfillment of all of it. Muhammad fulfilled zero prophecies. Jesus over 250. Can I get an amen to that? Muhammad's dead, Hare Krishna's dead, Buddha's dead, Charles Taze Russell's dead, Joseph Smith is dead, all the false teachers and all the creators of all the cults going on in the world today are dead, and Jesus Christ is a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Amen? Amen. We don't serve a dead God, we serve a risen and living Savior. So praise God for it. And so as we're looking here at Hebrews, the supremacy of Jesus Christ, that he is better. And those who are being drawn back into Judaism, drawn back into the old covenant. They're being reminded repeatedly that that is just an earthly sanctuary. Verse two, for a tabernacle was prepared. Point number two here is it was a type of something greater. For a tabernacle was prepared. The first part in which was a lampstand, the table and the showbread which is called the sanctuary. If you turn over your outline, I'm sorry, that's kind of a crude picture there. But if you turn it over, you can see that is, you have the holy, of ho- the holy place and then the holy of holies. And in the, when you first open it up, by the way, it's not very big. It's about 75 feet by 15 feet. It's not huge. It's or actually 45 feet, excuse me, just the sanctuary itself. So 30 by 15 is the first room, and 15 by 15 is the one in the back. When you would enter into the holy place, and only the, only the priests could go in. And the first thing you saw when you walked in on the left-hand side was what the Jews call today a menorah, but it was the golden lampstand. Now, Jesus is the light of the world, Amen. And it was the lampstand that they had to keep lit. And by the way, they used oil. Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we we are enlightened to the truth of the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? But Jesus is the light of the world. To the right was a table of showbread. And there you had the bread for the 12 different tribes. It was a representation of God's provision for the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, Jesus is the bread of life. Amen. Then you walk in further and you'll see that little altar there in the back. You can see they have the veil kind of cut out so you can see behind it. But right there, that was called the altar of incense. Now that, they would go in and keep it lit 24 hours a day. And what it did is it burnt incense that would pour over into the Holy of Holies. Now, Jesus, where is he right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father and what's he doing? He's interceding for us. That's a picture of Jesus because here was this nonstop picture of prayer that was pouring into the Holy of Holies. So Jesus is the light of the world. He's the bread of life. He intercedes on our behalf. Everything in the holy place and in the Holy of Holies points to Jesus. Guys, it only gets better because then there's a veil. When the veil opens up, one man on one day could enter in. What do you see? You see the Ark of the Covenant. As I often say, the Ark is a 
It's a box, not a boat. Can I get an amen? It's a different ark. So the ark of the covenant had in it three things that reminded them of their sinfulness, but always pointed, also pointed to Jesus. The three things that were covered by the mercy seat first was a jar of manna. Now, why were they given manna? Because they rebelled and refused to enter into the land of promise. You remember that? When Joseph and Caleb went in and said, hey man, we can whip these guys. 10 came out and said, there's giants in the land. So they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and that entire generation of adults dropped dead in the wilderness outside of Joshua and Caleb. So manna was a reminder of the fact that they were faithless and entering into the land of promise, again, showing that they had fallen short. But also that manna is a picture of the fact that Jesus is the bread of life. The second thing that was in there was the rod of Aaron. Aaron was the high priest. And if you'll remember that they had attempted to overthrow Aaron. Remember they tried to they tried to, well, why shouldn't I be high priest? Even his own sister did it. I want to be the high priest. And we saw that their own rebellion against who it was God had called to lead them, God who called to intercede on their behalf, but also that's a picture of the fact that Jesus is the great high priest. The last thing that was there was the law, the copy of the Ten Commandments. You know, when the Ten Commandments were given at Mount Sinai, this is a mind blower always, but it just shows us how sinful we all are. Can I get an amen to that? But here's what happens. God speaks from the top of the mountain audibly. He's talking and they all go, dude, we can't take it. And they say, Moses, you go talk to him because we can't handle it. When he speaks, we're scared half to death. We can't, you go talk to him. So Moses goes up on the mountain and in 40 days while God's giving him the 10 commandments and speaking to him, he comes back down and what are they doing? They're having a drunken orgy marching around a golden calf. If, you know, I left for a week to go to Colorado. If I came back and you're worshiping a calf, everybody's fired. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> I know better. Can I get an amen? But can you imagine? So Moses, he's the first one to break all 10 commandments because he threw those tablets on the ground when he saw what happened. But you know what? The law was a reminder of, their, of the fact that they've all fallen short. But it's also a picture that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Amen. And that he is the word. Amen. Now, what I love is on top of the, those items that reveal our sin is the mercy seat. See, guys, without the mercy of God, we can never be forgiven for where we've fallen short. We don't earn heaven. It's the mercy of God. What is mercy? It's not being given what you deserve. What do we deserve? We all deserve hellfire. I just came to visit this church that tell me I deserve hell. Yes, you do. <laughs> like the rest of us. Can I get an amen? How many sinners we got in the room? Raise your hand. Okay, hands on up, you're lying, you're sinning even more, and you got a pride problem. Okay, amen. But the point is, and I love this picture again, that Jesus is the answer, Jesus is the fulfillment, and that mercy seat being placed upon the law is the only way. He's got us covered. Can I get an amen? The mercy of God covers the law of God. Now, what I love about this too, is we know that there's angels on each side, right? The cherubim and the angel's wings touch in the middle. You can see it there, kind of. It's, a little, it's got smoke coming up from it. But the angels in the, and so what's awesome about that is it's a picture of what happens in heaven because what's happening in heaven right now? What are angels doing in heaven right now? And where are they? They're around the throne of God singing, holy, holy, holy Lord, God almighty, who was and is and is to come. Can I get an amen? And when we sing here, we're getting practice for heaven. Amen. When we worship, it's heavenly practice. Because one of the few things we do on earth that we're going to do in heaven is worship. You're not going to be sharing, you're not going to have Bible studies in heaven. Jesus is right there. <laughs> we're not going to be evangelizing. Everybody's saved. Can I get an amen? No Trump rallies in heaven. Can I get an amen to that? No politics. None of that. Amen. Jesus is on the throne. He's the only focus. And we won't be able to, we will praise him for a million years and we won't even begin praising him yet. Can I get an amen to that? Heaven's better and I can't wait. Amen? But what's amazing about the ark is it's also a picture of the resurrection because when, when the women came in the morning and later when Peter came, but when the women came in and they entered the tomb, what did they see? Two angels, one at the head and one at the foot and the blood stained cloth in the middle. See, when he would go in on the day of atonement, that one man for one day, he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. So what would you see? Blood stains in the middle and angels on each end. And when you entered into the tomb, they saw blood stains in the middle and angels on each end because the ark was always pointing to Jesus and his resurrection and the Bible rocks. Can I get an amen to that? It's all Jesus. 
And guys, we all need to know this because we're going to run into people who mock the Bible. The Bible, fairy tales, it's filled with a bunch of contradictions. I love that when they tell me that. It's filled with contradictions. Name one. Go. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) I don't believe in the Bible. How much time have you just been reading it? Well, I haven't, I haven't really read it. Oh, so you don't believe in something you never read. Yeah. But you think you're an authority on something you haven't read. Uh, well, yeah. Well, that would kind of make you stupid. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> How can you be an authority on something you've never read? Can I get an amen to that? And why wouldn't you read it? Because you're afraid. Guys, this is the only book where the author loves the reader. Amen. And he wrote it so that we could have a relationship with him. B-I-B-L-E, you've heard me say it, basic instructions before leaving earth. This is where we go to live daily in the center of God's will. Amen? And all of it points to Jesus. And so the sanctuary pointed to Jesus. It was a type of something greater. Again, tabernacle means tent of meaning. It was a place of sacrifice. It was a place of restoration. It was a place of ministry. It was a place of intimacy with God. And while they couldn't have grasped it at the time, God gave them a very clear and implicit instructions of how it was to be built. And again, all of it, because all of it pointed to Jesus. So we don't need a sanctuary for a place of sacrifice because the sacrifice has been made. Amen. We don't need it to be a place of restoration because we've already been restored through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Amen. We don't need it for, to be the place of ministry because we can have intimate fellowship with God and we minister one to another. When, all, when God's people come together, something supernatural happens. Amen. Holy Spirit is here. And then finally, it's a place of intimacy with God. Well, I'm so glad that we can have intimacy with God anywhere and anytime. Amen. It says, and behind the second veil was the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Again, that's the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, which were a golden pot that had, on, had manna, Aaron's rod that budded and the tablets of the covenant. So we just covered those things. Now, what I love about this, we know that when they built the Ark, and even when they built the sanctuary itself, the, the tabernacle, it was humble in appearance. Uh, I encourage you to go back and to our website and listen to Exodus 25, 26, 27. We go into detail about the, about the tabernacle. But outwardly, it had animal skins. And what was amazing was the, the skins were on the very top were badger skins. They were kind of a, they were ugly. They really were. They're functional, but they were ugly. Below the badger skins were ram skins that were dyed red. Below that were, was goat's hair that was black, and below that was fine linen. And what's amazing is we know when we read in Exodus that the tapestry on the inside was scarlet, purple, and blue. Blue for the heavenlies, purple speaks of royalty, and scarlet, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And woven into that inside linen was angels, or the angelic host. So from the outside, it looked ugly. It was was very humble looking. There was nothing pleasing about it. But when he went in the inside, it was glorious. And the Bible says of Jesus that when he came, he was nothing to behold. But when you look on the inside of who Jesus is, it's glorious. Can I get an amen to that? See, even, even all the outward you know, fixtures, everything about it was always pointing to the Lord. Now, the outer court, before you even get into this, to the sanctuary itself, you had the bronze altar and the bronze laver. Bronze in the Bible is a picture of judgment. Bronze or brass, whenever you see that, that's judgment. Now, the altar had four points on it where they would tie down the animals, four points. And then blood was sprinkled on those four points. Jesus died on a cross that has four points. Amen. The bronze altar was also made in such a way that a a, a human man could lay down on it perfectly. So again, that was always pointing to Jesus. And then next to the bronze altar was the bronze laver. So before they entered in to the you know, the table of showbread and the golden lamp stand, before they could enter into the holy place, they had to be cleansed. So the shedding of blood, and then they had to be cleansed. And what, is, what happens when Jesus died on the cross? Through his shed blood, we were cleansed. Amen? 
And I love when they would go, when the priest would go to the bronze laver, he was covered in blood from the sacrifice and he could see his own reflection and we'd put his hands in and he would see all the blood and he'd see himself being cleansed as he lit. Now, I love this because bronze and brass in scripture, if you remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, first episode of Nick at night, right? He comes to Jesus by night and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Pastor Day paraphrase. And Jesus didn't say, keep being religious, Hey, man, you wear the black robes. You're a prayer warrior out in the middle of the street. Everybody loves you. Everybody thinks you're amazing. Didn't say that. He said, you must be born again. Born means born from above. Later, when we get to verse 14, I love this because in, the, in Numbers 21, if you'll remember this, serpents came into the camp because they were in rebellion against God and they began to bite people when they were dying. And then God told Moses to make a brass pole with a serpent on it and then hold it up. And, and everybody who got bit that would look to the staff would be healed. And I got a bit to you. The first time I saw that many years ago, you're thinking, that's like voodoo or something. What is that about? You look to the serpent and be healed? Isn't the serpent the devil? I mean, right? And if you wonder how it was interpreted, well, it's very easy. Because when you get to John chapter 3, Verse 14, it says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. See, brass was a picture of judgment. The serpent was a picture of the consequences of sin. And all of that was placed on our savior. And so when we look to Jesus, because we've all been bit by sin, we're all sinners in need of a savior. Then and only then can we be healed. Amen. And that's John 3, 14, two verses later. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. So the bronze in the outer court speaks of judgment. When you enter into the holy place, the table, you know, the golden lampstand, he's the light of the world. He's the bread of life. He intercedes on our behalf. The picture of all of our sin, plus who Jesus is, the mercy seat, his blood is shed. Guys, it's all Jesus. Amen. And so that's always been pointing to him. So why would we go back to the thing that points to him instead of going to him? Amen? Why would we run to something that was pointing to Jesus thousands of years ago, but when he died on the cross, he said, Tetelestai, it is finished, paid in full. Amen? Praise God for that. So we see these pictures of Jesus throughout the four horns covered. And again, I shared this with the, uh, I asked them, you know, I uh, said, so by the way, guys, uh, I'd love to come check it out when you make your next sacrifices. I've never been to a sacrifice. I'd like to see that. You guys doing that? Oh, we don't do that anymore. Oh, okay. So how are your sins paid for? Oh, how many, how many? There's 600 whatever, 20, I forget how many laws, 632 laws or whatever the number is I must keep. I'm like, how's that working out for you? How are you doing that program? I know 10 of them, you're not keeping those. Can I get any men to that? <laughs> If you got a list of things you got to do to be saved, you're in trouble. Amen. If you had to, if you had to get up every morning at seven thirty and brush your teeth to be saved, you would fail on that. Can I get an amen? You'd sleep in one day. Game over. Amen. That's why we need grace. Praise God for it. So we see the bronze laver, the cleansing, the tabernacle itself. And again, that holy place and how all of it, every single bit of it points to Jesus. Love what Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have light of life. Everything in there, the table of showbread, he's the bread of life. Just remember that when someone brings up the tabernacle, take a few moments and take them through it and show them how it's Jesus, 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 and more Jesus. Amen. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us. There's that altar. Just continually he's praying. He's interceding on our behalf. Next time you're tempted, remember Jesus is praying for you. Amen? Next time you're going through financial difficulties, remember Jesus is praying for you. If you've got a, a, a son or a daughter that's walking in open rebellion, remember that Jesus is praying. Can I get an amen to that? That should bring peace to everything that we go through. I do love this. Last point on, on the ark. It was made of acacia wood and it was covered in, in gold. And I love this. Yeah, I love digging deep into, into text because I just love it. You know, acacia wood is still used by the Bedouin people today. If you've ever been to Israel, still, they still camp out and they travel like nomads. And they have direct TV now, but they travel like nomads. <laughs> you go by a tent and they're like watching Oprah with a, you know. It's insane. But they do still travel and they have these black tents, right? 
But what's amazing is acacia wood has a gummy substance. And when you cut it open, they cut this acacia wood. I, was, I had a chance to talk to some Bedouins and they were showing me that when you take this acacia wood and you cut it, it has this healing balm that comes out of it and they use it to be healed. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was acacia wood covered in gold. And the wood speaks of his humanity. The gold speaks of his deity. But I love that it's a wood that when cut open, heals. Does a Bible rock or what? <laughs> Can I get an amen to that? And guys, no matter how much we dig into God's word, we're always going to be taught. We're always going to grow. There's always more of Jesus. And again, he's our provision. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And praise God for it. Verse 5, and it says, And and above it were the cherubim, the glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot speak in detail. So again, the angelic hosts were there. You know, the angels, the Bible says that we are greater than the angels. But the angels are way more powerful than us on this planet. Can I get amen to that? And we fight a spiritual battle, don't we? Amen? But we don't worship angels, and we don't worship prophets, and we certainly don't worship pastors, and we certainly don't worship buildings. We worship Jesus, him, and him alone. Can I get an amen? He's the only celebrity in Christianity, nobody else. So we put our faith in him, we worship him. He alone is the focus and the passion of our lives. And again, we see that every picture, even the angelic host, you know, they ever lived to do one thing, worship Jesus. I love when they showed up to announce his birth and they were singing praise songs. Amen. And the shepherds were out there and they got the great, they got to be a part of the greatest concert. I can't imagine. I can't wait till we get to heaven. By the way, I don't think heavenly worship's going to be quiet. Can I get an amen? I'm told often, you know, we need to be more contemplative in our worship. Well, you can contemplate in your worship when you're by yourself, but I think when we're out here, we need to bring down the house in Jesus' name. Can I get amen to that? When we get to heaven, we're not going to be going, oh, we're, not, we're not doing that. <laughs> Praise God. Can I get an amen? Da- David danced before the Lord. Now, look, we don't want to take the focus off of Jesus when we worship. We always want to focus on him. But guys, we don't have to be quiet about it. Amen? We've had a lot of people leave our church. You guys, you know, you need to be more somber. You need to, what, in pain? No joy? What are you talking about? Guys, we have the joy of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Is he worthy to be worshiped? Amen. Amen. By the way, you should be worshiping when you're driving in your car. Amen? Turn off the stinking news that just gets you upset and put on some worship music and sing praises to the Lord. It'll change your whole day. Can I get an amen to that? Get your focus where it needs to be. So Jesus is... The fulfillment. Now, verse six and seven, it was inaccessible to the people. So here, take a look here. Watch what happens. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, so the tabernacle's been built, everything's where it's supposed to be. The priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But in the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. So, only the priests could go in. And by the way, the priests all had to be of the tribe of Levi. The high priests had to be descendants of Aaron. We talked about this, that Jesus was of the priesthood of Melchizedek. If you weren't here, we looked at it in depth. So the Jews of the day who were still hanging on to the old covenant would say to the, to, to the Jewish, by the way, this is a Jewish book written about a Jewish savior. Can I get an amen? Written by Jewish people. So praise God for the Jews. Can I get an amen to that? That being said, there were a lot who rejected Jesus and they would say to them like, well, who's your priest? You don't even have a priest. We got a priest. We got a temple. We make sacrifices. We got an Ark of the Covenant. We got all this stuff. You don't have any of that. And so there was this struggle. But the reality is that Jesus was the fulfillment, as I said, of all of it. And it said there that they would go into, but only only once a year, only once a year, and only the high priest could enter in. The only access behind the veil was once a year by one man, not for fellowship before atonement. So when he came into God's presence, he, he actually would have to bring two sacrifices in a way. Most believe he would go in once and sacrifice for himself, go back out and come back in and pour out the blood for the people because he could not come in. He could not make the sacrifice for the people until he himself was atoned for. Because what God cannot have sin in his presence. Amen? That's why Jesus died. If we have one sin in heaven, we'd have earth part two. Can I get an amen to that? 
So we all recognize that we're sinners in need of a savior. There can no, be no sin in heaven. We've got a problem. That's why Jesus came. Amen? And you don't wash away your sin by your good works, but by his great grace. So he would go in, he would make the sacrifice for himself and then for the people. Now, some would debate this. I've seen both sides of this, but most people believe that when they went in on the day of atonement, that they would tie a rope either around the priest's waist or his ankle. And that he had bells on his priestly garments and they would be outside and they could hear him moving around because the bells would make noise. And he'd be in there making the sacrifice and the people are all wondering what it's like to be in God's presence. And the priest himself was probably scared half to death when he went in to be in the, priest pre to be in the presence of God. So as he would go in to be in the presence of God, they literally had a rope around him. You know why? In case he dropped dead in there. Because nobody else could go in there for a year. And only the high priest. So if he dropped dead, they'd have something to drag that boy out. Can I get an amen? <laughs> now, I want to say this too. If they had to tie something around your waist because you might drop dead in there, do you think you might be a little concerned about what's going to happen? Can you, can you see that there would be a righteous fear of God, which is a good thing, amen? But they're not going in there to hang out with the Lord. He's coming in to, to bring the blood. No doubt, hands shaking when he's done, doing it. Am I worthy or not? I'm not going to drop dead here in a second. And so they're, they're bringing it in. And guys, here's the great news. The old covenant, one man, once a year, ending under the Holy of Holies, scared half to death, not entering into fellowship with God, but just bringing the blood atonement and then getting out of there as quick as he can. Guys, we're not under the old covenant. We enter into his presence anywhere and any time. We enter in with fellowship and we have nothing to fear because our sin has been paid for. We're new creations in Christ. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Our names are written in the Lamb books of life and we're going to heaven. Can I get an amen to that? And he's our dad. We're children of the king and we can enter in and sit in his lap. Abba means daddy and daddy is not somebody who we're afraid of he's someone whose lap we can crawl up into can i get an amen to that what a picture you want the old covenant you want to go back to that you want to go back to that no okay amen thanks pastor bill no <laughs> the most holy man the most holy day the most holy place and everybody else outside and walls in the way and things in the way. And have you noticed how some religions today, you come in and there's, there's even a wall in the front. And then behind that, there's a, you know, I went and spoke at this church one time years ago. They asked me to fill in their needed a pastor and they'd heard me on the radio and I said, I'll come, but I'm not dialing it down for you, bro. You know, in Jesus name. Amen. And they tried to put me up in this, I'm not kidding. They had stairs that went up and the pulpit was like 40 feet in the air. And they picked, they told me, she, wear this robe and climb. I said, I climb. They, they don't look up to me. We look up to Jesus and nobody else. Can I get an amen to that? But see, there's this thing where you, you put a wall. You know, some Catholic churches have a picket fence in the front. Keep those, keep those unworthy people out, right? You go into a box and you, there's a thing and you have to say, they tell you what to say. All these things that they put between us and our relationship with God. Guys, none of that is biblical, amen? The veil's been torn. We can enter in. And they're trying to sew the veil back up, amen? They're trying to put a, a block between you and Almighty God. Guys, if you're not close to God, that's your fault. We're as close to God as we want to be. Can I get an amen to that? He's not pushing us away. We, we push him away. He desires intimate fellowship, that we enter into his presence anywhere and anytime. I'm sure the people outside are like, I wonder what it's like to be in there. I wonder what it would be like to be in the presence of Almighty God. Boy, that'd be incredible. What would that be like? Isn't it good we don't have to wonder? Can I get an amen? We don't have to wonder. We get to have intimate fellowship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm driving down the freeway thinking about the Lord and I'm a so weeping mess. Because I can't believe that the Lord loves me that much and that he hears my prayers and I, lo I love it. You think I'm crazy. Most of you guys don't have a full-time job, and sometimes I have a commute of two hours. I love when my account's two hours away. I love it. I had a customer the other day go, oh, I'll just do it by fax. I'll drive out. No worries. I'll come out. I'll come out. <laughs> so I drove two hours out, spent five minutes with him, and drove two hours back, and I had four hours hanging out with Jesus. Can I get him into that? See, you know what it is? That's, that's unhurried time. There's no distractions. Let's put on some worship music. Let's listen to the Bible being taught.
Let's hang out with the Lord. We can enter into his presence. Guys, it just doesn't get any better. It was inaccessible to the people. The old covenant, they could not enter in. And we all can. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today can be the day of salvation. You can enter into his presence right here and right now. Can I get an amen to that? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Look at verse, point number four, verse eight. It was temporary. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way of the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. So it was only temporary. It was never meant to be the source or even uh, a source of salvation. It was never meant to be that. It was never because somebody went in and it was always just pointing to the one who would be the source. It was always a foreshadowing of the one who was to come was not available to men as long as the old covenant was in place and only a placeholder until the real sacrifice could be made. The Bible tells us repeatedly that the blood of bulls and goats cannot redeem us from our sin. So that breaks my heart. Pray, pray for Pastor Ra, uh, Rabbi Ron over at VOS where we used to meet and all the other chaplains. I, I met with them. This is baffling to me and pray for them. Pray for them because God still has a hand on them. Can I get an amen to that? And I will say this. One thing he did say to me, which I appreciate and all the, all the rabbis agreed. He said, we want you to meet here. And when you're here, this is when we were meeting at VOS. He said, as far as I'm concerned, it's Calvary Chapel. You can bring crosses in here if you want. When you're here, it's your church and you do what you need to do. He said, here's what I want to say to you though. He said, I tell the people in our synagogue all the time that yes, most of the people in the world are our enemies, but we have one group of people that love us. And that one group of people will stand beside us. And if we were in trouble, we could run, run to them. They would welcome us in. They would stand arm in arm with us and they would fight into the death to protect us. And that's the evangelical Christians. And so the Jewish people understand the Bible says that we will provoke them to jealousy. Amen when they see our love for the Lord. And so when we're living out loud in front of them and we need to love on them and point them to Jesus, just know that the Lord is already working on their hearts to see. And if you've been to Israel, and I go through Israel with a group of 70 people with us from our church in Santa Cruz, we're walking through the city and people would come out of their business and say, are you guys evangelical Christians? And we'd say, yeah. And they would come on, hug all of us. And so you're the only friends we got. Some of the signs in their windows would say, thank you, evangelical Christians, we love you. So praise God. So look, their eyes they have blinders on their eyes. God's not done with them yet. And we need to continue to pray that God will remove the scales from their eyes. Can I get an amen to that? And we love the Jewish people. And whenever they tell me, I had a customer the other day, I, hand my, I always hand out my, my church card with my business card. Everybody I see got a new account. And by the way, the card has the gospel on the back for a reason. Amen. So I always hand them out. And when I handed it to him, he goes, oh, I don't need this. I'm Jewish. I said, so is my savior. It's all good. We teach about a Jewish savior <laughs> out of a Jewish book and from a bunch of Jewish writers. Can I get him into that? Say it often, 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. That's only possible because God wrote it. Can I get him into that? And praise God for it. Final point. Ministered only to address man's outward need his outward need. Look at verses 9 and 10. It was symbolic, symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. So here's what it says. Even, it doesn't matter how many sacrifices they made, it never made them pure in their conscience. Now we've talked about this the Holy Spirit has one of three relationships with everyone. He's either with you, in you, or upon you. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being with us. I believe, Pastor Dave's opinion, okay? I believe the Holy Spirit with us is everyone's conscience. Can I get an amen to that? Before they're saved. Because the Bible says, in man dwelleth no good thing. So that means without the Holy Spirit, nothing we would do would ever be good. Can I get an amen to that? So when I did prison ministry and I'd have guys who killed seven people, they would say it's wrong to harm a child. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit convicting them that there is a right and wrong. See, the, is our country a little muck right now? <laughs> Got a few problems? We can't even figure out if it's just boys and girls. Can I get an amen? All the attacks are on the foundation of everything's in Genesis. 
Creation, the lie of evolution. Marriage, marriage of, you know, whatever you want. It's going to be two, three women and four dogs before it's over. Amen? Marriage of any kind you want instead of one man and one woman. And now God created a male and female. Now their gender is no more. And people are getting fired from their jobs because they won't get involved with someone's perversion and their lost minds because they wear a dress. And we think we got, we need to pray for those people. Can I get an amen to that? They need the Lord, but it's pathetic that we, we might have Caitlin, Bruce Jenner in a dress for governor here pretty soon. Help, Lord, can I get an amen? But the point I'm making is, that the conscience helps us understand right from wrong. And because the Bible also talks about people have a seared over conscience. They've turned themselves over to a reprobate mind. When you get to the place where, remember, we used to be a moral society where we knew right from wrong. Then we became an immoral society where we knew right from wrong, but we choose to do wrong. And now we have an amoral society where there are no morals. And the only people that catch stack, static are the people that have morals. Amen. Amen. So the conscience gets seared over and now you sin with great joy. There's no, there's a reason why they want us to recognize their marriages and want us to recognize the choices they make because they know deep down it's wrong. So they want us to say it's okay and they want to beat us up and make us say it's okay when we don't beat them up to, to, make, to have them say that it's okay to, to be who we are. Can I get an amen to that? Okay, so the conscience will never be satisfied by the blood of bulls and goats. So the conscience, Holy Spirit with us, when we're born again, he goes from being with us to being in us. Amen? Down payment on heaven, it says in Ephesians chapter one. How do you know for sure that you're saved? How do you know? The word of God is true and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Can I get an amen to that? The word of God is true. If you believe it, if you repent, you turn away from your sin, you surrender your life to the Lord, comes to live inside of you. You know what? Conviction is a mark of conversion. If, you're, if there's no conviction in your sin, you've never been converted. Can I get an amen to that? So when you sin, you feel bad about it. We had somebody here the other, uh, other week on Thursday night, I would do Q&As at the end of the Bible study, and he was just talking about his salvation. I said, look, how did you, how did you feel about your sin beforehand? Oh, I loved it. How do you feel now? I hate it. Well, that's a mark of the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of us. Amen? But the Bible also talks about the Spirit with us, but in us at salvation, but it also talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon us. Amen? Now remember, the Holy Spirit was breathed into the apostles in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus breathed the Spirit in them. But then he said, go wait, for not many days from now, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. So even though the Spirit was in them, there was still something subsequent to it, the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And notice he says, and you shall receive what? Power, dunamis. So with the word dynamite or dynamic. It says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So Peter, who rejected, who said he did know the Lord, who cursed and ran away from a little girl. Fast forward 50 days or so, he's standing up and preaching the word of God with boldness and 3,000 people get saved. What happened? Holy Spirit upon him. Can I get an amen to that? See, Holy Spirit with you, that's you're not saved yet. Still conviction, there's something right and wrong. I need to get right with God. There's something missing in my life. And, and you'll talk to most people, money won't satisfy. Sexual relationships won't satisfy. Drugs won't satisfy. Alcohol won't satisfy. Promotions at work, your career. There's always something missing. You know what's missing? Jesus. He created you to have a relationship with him. So guys, we shouldn't be satisfied. First of all, Holy Spirit would we want the Holy Spirit in us, but guys, we want to be used mildly by God. We want the Holy Spirit upon us. You've heard me say it many times. My dad, who's now in heaven, used to say, pastor for 60 years, I don't call, care if you call it being baptized with the Holy Spirit, being indwelled by the Holy Spirit, being filled by the Holy Spirit. Call it what you want. Just get it. Can I get an amen to that? And so we need to pray daily, Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Help me to walk in the center of your will. Because you know what? The blood of bulls and goats will never satisfy the, the realization in our conscience that we're sinners in need of a savior. It's only when we recognize we're heading in the wrong direction. Repent means to change your mind and to change your heart and to change direction. You just turn around and you surrender your life. Don't just make Jesus savior, but you make him Lord. You're no longer on the throne. You put Jesus on the throne. He now rules and reigns in your life. And you're a child of the King. And he fills you with, your Holy, with the Holy Spirit. And he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And guess what? Then we can walk 
in confidence because not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. Amen. That we belong to the Lord. Notice it says there again at the end of that verse, which cannot make him who performed a service perfect in regard to the conscience. Even after they make the sacrifices, they, they don't, oh, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm good. I'm, I'm going to have, no, it was obedience and it was the right thing to do, but it did not fulfill it. Then it said, concerning own with foods and drinks and various washings and fleshly ordinances and pose until the time of reformation. You know, even always has been a group that puts their faith in their own good works. And the Pharisees, as we know from scripture, they were God's chosen people to be the ones that communicate the word of God to those who needed to hear about God. Instead, what did they become largely? Largely what they became were a bunch of self-righteous legalists. Amen? And what would they do? They'd walk around and wear their black robes, their big old phylacteries on their head. The Bible says, put the word of God between your eyes. It means read it, not put a box of it up here. <laughs> Stop already. Word of God on your hands. It means do the work of God that's in the word of God. They strap a little thing around here, put a box, put some messages in it. You walk by and they tap the thing on the door that's got the message. Guys, we don't want something wrapped up and hidden. We want to open it up, read it, and obey it. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. Guys, the word of God. It's not, it's not, it's not a talisman. It's not a good luck charm. Let me tap the good luck charm that has the Bible written in it. You know, the same thing. People have Bibles out on their desk. Some people put Bibles by their bed. It's not, you're not going to learn the Bible by osmosis. You can't put it under their pillow and sleep on it and wake up and know Jesus better. Again, again, amen. Open it, read it, obey it. But notice that a lot of them will get caught up in how they washed. We know that they, they oh, you have to hold your hand like this. And you get half an egg of water and you pour it on. And if it drips down this far, it's too far. And, you know, then they tied their mint and cumin. Oh, we got to tie that. And they would talk, they would brag and they would make sure when they went up to give that they did it in front of everybody. And they gave it to trumpets so they would pour their money in and have it shake and everybody would say how amazing they were. And they made sure that when they prayed, they were on the street corner when everyone was there. So when they prayed, everybody would say, oh, look how holy they are. And the sad part is, that there were people who were trying to fulfill the law. There were people who were trying to get the focus on them. And while they were tithing mint and coven, they rejected Jesus. While they were washing their hands in a certain way, they missed the Savior. Some of the same people that cried out, save now we pray you on Palm Sunday, cried out, crucify him four days later. Why? Because their focus was on religion and not a relationship. Amen. Guys, today, where's your focus? I have friends, God bless them. The church of pastors in Santa Cruz, half the people, I'm a good Catholic. Well, there's none righteous, no, not one. Can I get an amen to that? Nobody's good. Amen? Well, I'm a good man. No, you're not. I'm a good woman. No, you're not. If you compare yourself to other people, you might be okay. But God doesn't grade on a curve, he grades at the cross. Amen? You're not compared to other people. And so the sad part, they're only concerned with, well, what food do you eat? And what drinks do you drink? And how do you wash yourself? And what ordinances do you use? And notice it says, we'll finish with this, day after day, week after week, year after year, again, they couldn't reform a life. The weakness of the priestly service under the old covenant was its inability to address the need for the inner transformation of man. And the word there, it says, until the time of reformation. The word reformation in Greek means to make straight. This burden would continue until the type was replaced by the real thing. Jesus straightens us out. Can I get an amen? amen. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Every other path you want to wander down leads to destruction. There's only one way to heaven, and Jesus is the only way. When the insufficient blood of bulls and goats would be replaced by the all-sufficient blood of our Savior. When rites and rituals and religion are replaced by a true relationship with the Lord. Now, just the next verse... For that we'll, we'll look at next week. Notice what the first two words are. So we're talking about the, bl the blood of bulls and goats won't satisfy. All the things the old covenant won't satisfy. What's the first two words in verse 11? What does it say? But Christ. But Christ. But Christ. Can I get an amen? All this stuff won't get it. it. Won't save me. Won't redeem me. Can't do it. Isn't sufficient. It's temporary. Only one can enter in. The people have distance from God. But Christ. And Jesus is the answer, amen? 
He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's our only hope. So in closing, sewing up the veil, the contrast between the old covenant religion and new covenant relationship, the inferior old covenant is inferior in five ways. One, it was, it was a material earthly sanctuary. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen? He's in heaven. It was a type of something greater. It was always pointing to Jesus. It was inaccessible to the people. Oh, I'm so thankful that we can enter into God's presence anywhere and anytime. Can I get an amen to that? It was temporary and served only as a picture and administered only to address man's outward need. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again because what needed to be addressed is you've been born physically, but you need to be born again spiritually. What really matters is how we're doing spiritually. Can I get an amen? That's what really matters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and awesome God. We thank you for the word. We thank you that all of it points to our Savior. We thank you that we do not serve a dead God, but a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, that indeed today would be the day of salvation. If you know the Lord, just keep praying. If you don't, just let me say this. The Bible says if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. If you're here today and you've never fully surrendered your life to the Lord, I'm not saying, did you go to church? You can go to church and not have surrendered your life to the Lord. You may have grown up in a Christian home and not have surrendered your life to the Lord. You need to come to a place where you confess yourself that you're ready to surrender your life to the Lord. If that's your desire. I just want you to raise your hand right now and I will pray with you. And you can know if you're sincere in your heart, if you're truly repentant, you can leave here knowing that you're going to heaven. You're a new creation in Christ. The Holy Spirit will come to live inside of you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Is that anybody's heart at all? God bless you in the back. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Today's a day of salvation. Don't worry about anybody else. This is between you and the Lord. Anyone else? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this person who has raised her hand. And I pray, Lord, that she would just pray along with me, whether out loud or in her heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord, please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.